Hello everyone, and welcome back to the History of Middle-Earth podcast, where we dive deep into the history of Middle-Earth. My name is Phil, and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle-Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by Matt Marshall. Thank you so much for your support. This week we have a fun episode planned. We're actually going to be covering three topics in this one, but only because two of them are pretty short, and they all kind of coincide together so we're just going to cover them all at once so we can kind of keep everything moving and as normal after the story we will be going over listener questions so there are actually a bunch of different ways you can send in your questions Uh, the first one you can do is just send an email to ministiritharchives at gmail.com you can message our facebook page you can post on the wall of our facebook group or you can go to our website, ministereotharchives.com, and then go to the contact page and send it right through there. So, to start us off today, we're going to go over this coming week in Middle-Earth history. Today is Tuesday, October 1st. Today is the day that Gandalf leaves Bree, and at this point, the hobbits have just recently met Strider and set out with him. Wednesday, October the 2nd, will be the anniversary that The Unfinished Tales was published in 1980, and this is also the day that the Hobbits and Strider leave Shetwood. Thursday, October 3rd, in 3018, Gandalf has his fight on Weathertop, which we know that Frodo kind of sees the flashes and whatnot from. The following day on the 4th, Gandalf leaves Weathertop. On the 5th, in 3018 as well, the Hobbits have been in the wild with Strider now for six days. On that same day, the 5th, in 3021, the hobbits leave the Grey Havens to head back to the Shire. On October the 6th, 3018, Frodo is attacked, along with the other hobbits, but gets stabbed at the top of Weathertop. Last day we'll do October 9th, in 2941, is the day that Thorin and his company depart Lake Town. So, for a quick chapter recap, This episode is going to cover chapters 5 and 6 of The Fellowship of the Ring, where, although trying to avoid it, the hobbits get lost and travel to the river Withywindle, the, quote, queerest part of the whole wood, end quote. Merry and Pippin are trapped inside the old man Willow and are freed only when Tom Bombadil arrives. In chapter 6, we get to learn a lot more about Tom Bombadil and meet his wife, Goldberry. Tom knows much about the hobbits and even tries on the ring, yet it does not have any effect on him, not even make him invisible. Frodo also tries to ring on to see if it works, quote-unquote, and Tom Bombadil is also able to see Frodo while he has the ring on. Alright, on to the main topic. So this week we're going over three topics. We're going to be covering the Old Forest, Tom Bombadil, and his wife, Goldberry. We'll start off with the Old Forest and work our way into Tom Bombadil and finish with Goldberry. So way back when, Middle-earth was covered in trees and was basically one giant forest, minus a very few small clearings here and there. The old forest was one of the few remains of the vast forests which covered most of Eriador before the Second Age. What became known as the old forest was what survived the deforestation by the Numenorians and the many battles against Sauron. When Angmar attacked Arnor in TA-1409, some Dunedain of Cardalon, Arnor, fled into the forest. It was a part of Arnor during the existence of the North Kingdom, 
and was bordered in the east by the Barrow Downs and in the west by the Brandywine. The Old Forest was a large woodland on the eastern border of Buckland, located close to the Shire. The Old Forest, like Fangorn, was described to be dark and tangled, though both were less so than the Tarim Duinath of Beleriand, which was a dark and gloomy forest that extended over a vast area of land in the southern part of East Beleriand and it totaled about 150 miles east to west and about 200 miles north to south. But that's for an episode on another day. In later years, Gorhendad Oldbuck colonized the bit, between the, la- the bit of land between the Brandywine and the Old Forest, and the hobbits of Buckland cut the forest to make room for their new homes. They also built a large hedge wall separating their country from the forest. When the trees grew too close to the hedge, hobbits cut down the trees nearest and created a clearing by a bonfire. Ever since, the trees became more hostile. Just before the War of the Ring, the hobbits Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, Mariadoc Brandybuck, and Peregrine Took crossed through it trying to escape from the Black Riders. The hobbits believed the trees of the Old Forest were in some manner awake and hostile. The tops of the trees swayed back and forth when there was no wind, whispered at night, and misled travelers deeper into the forest. The trees very much so carried a malice and a hatred, but this hatred was not connected to the evil stemming from the east and Mordor. The hobbits mostly referred to the forest as queer and dangerous rather than actually evil. Well, that's kind of what happens when you abuse them. The forest had been angered by the years of chopping and destruction they had witnessed, and the trees would lash out at travelers, whether they meant good or ill. Frodo, Mary, Pippin, and Sam were waylaid by a falling branch as they passed through, and the hobbits had the sense that they were being watched by the forest itself. The paths in the forest, which seemed at first to be true, would angle downward into the valley of the Withywindle. The Withywindle, which lay roughly in the center of the old forest, was a root of the oddities, malice, and the general animosity that the trees projected, for within the center of the Withywindle Valley lived Old Man Willow, who seemed to have some measure of control over the forest, inspiring much of the anger that permeated the limbs of the trees. At the southeastern edge of the forest, on the bank of the river Withywindle, stood the house of good old Tom Bombadil, who rescued the hobbits when they were trapped by the by Old Man Willow. Tom Bombadil seemed to represent the good side of the forest and even had some power over Old Man Willow. The two contrasting wills of Bombadil and the Willow brought out the aura of mystery that the old forest seemed to inspire. Tom Bombadil was a mysterious figure that lived throughout the history of Arda. Living in the depths of the old forest, he seemed to possess unequaled power in the land around his dwelling. Although seemingly benevolent, he took no stance against the Dark Lords. His existence passed into Hobbit lore and was referenced in poems such as The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. The origins and nature of Tom Bombadil are unknown, however, we do know he already existed when the Dark Lord came to Arda, signifying he was alive even before the coming of the Valar. His role in nature in the Elder Days is unknown, but he must have witnessed most of the major events and battles. He also witnessed the reducing of the great forests that covered all Middle-earth, and perhaps his powers. We aren't sure how often he left his area inside the forest, however he seemed to have a name among many people groups, and perhaps became a folkloric figure in the traditions and legends of elves, dwarves, and men. During the Third Age, Tom Bombadil lived in a little house by the river with the Windle in the Old Forest, together with his lovely wife Goldberry. 
He had contact with the Bucklanders and Farmer Maggot, but perhaps it was this to which he owed his jolly and whimsical attitude. However, since he was so merry and benevolent, some of the free peoples considered him a potential ally. For example, Elrond and Aristor considered that he should be present at the Council of Elrond. Except, according to Gandalf, Tom was perhaps not fully aware of the struggle of light and darkness, and could not prove useful to their causes. On the 26th of September, GA3018, Tom encountered the four hobbits while he was searching for water lilies for his wife. Two of those hobbits, Merry and Pippin, had been captured by Old Man Willow. Tom, who was the master of the old forest, rescued them and took all four of them into his house. The four hobbits stayed two nights and entertained, and he entertained them with many tales and songs. With cunning questions, he made Frodo tell him of the ring. When Tom tried it on, nothing happened. But he took the, it off and flipped it in the air and made the ring itself disappear, showing that, indeed, within his realm, Tom was master. However, when Frodo put the ring on, Tom could still see him. He bade the hobbit to come back and sit down. His hands was fairer without the ring. The following morning, Tom warned his guests of the Barrow Downs and advised them to pass any barrow on the western side. He also taught them a song should they come into peril, and of course, they did. Tom chased off a white with song and broke the spells on the barrel in which the four hobbits were captured. While he sent the hobbits in to calm down, he went for provisions. He also brought the ponies that had belonged to Mary. From the barrel's mighty hoard, he took a brooch for Goldberry and gave a dagger to each of the hobbits. He then advised them to make for the prancing pony in Bree. Unfortunately, the peril of the hobbits was not over. An attack on their lives was carried out and their ponies were set loose. The ponies apparently remembered the care they were given in the house of Tom Bombadil and returned to stay beside Tom's own pony, Fatty Lumpkin. He returned them to Barlamin Butterbur, the proprietor of the prancing pony. Since he had paid 18 pence as compensation for the loss, he was now the owner of five fine ponies. Four years after the One Ring was destroyed, Gandalf spent some time with Bombadil. It is unknown how the meeting evolved or what was discussed. Gandalf just remarked to the hobbits that Bombadil would doubtless have little interest in the tales of their adventures, except perhaps their encounter with the Ents. There was evidence of Tom's ability to affect the ring's power over others, as Frodo freely gave the ring to Tom without his unusual hesitation for protective behaviors. Additionally, it was believed by Gandalf that while Tom might be willing to take the ring if asked by all the free people of the world, he might do so, but would not understand the reason. Due to this, Tom would likely have either forgot about it or thrown it away, as such things had little relevance to him. It was also mentioned that taking the ring back to him would be impossible to accomplish without it becoming known to Sauron, and sooner or later, Sauron would bend all of his power towards Tom's realm to take back the ring. Despite his mastery within his realm, it was assumed that Tom would not have cared or been able to keep the ring contained to his realm. To the elves in Dunedain, he was known as Larwain Ben-Adar, which translates to oldest and fatherless. Larwain literally means old, young. To the men of the Vales of Anduin and Rohan, he was known as Orald. This is an Old English word meaning very ancient. The dwarves knew him as Forn. This too is a reference to his age. It is Old Norse for belonging to ancient days. Tom Bombadil is said to be a Bucklandish name added by hobbit chroniclers to his many older ones. 
It is, like many names of the Bucklanders, untranslatable. Goldberry, also called the River Daughter, was the wife of Tom Bombadil in the Old Forest at the edge of Buckland. The character Goldberry, like Tom Bombadil, is kind of a nature spirit personified. Tom Bombadil would refer to her often as the River Daughter, saying she was, quote, River Woman's Daughter, end quote and that he had found her long ago by the pool where he gathered water lilies from the Withywindle River. She had long yellow hair, and her voice was beautiful, as young and as ancient as spring, like the song of a clad water flowing down into the night from a bright morning hills, as Tom described. According to the Bucklandish poem, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, Goldberry was in the Withywindle when she pulled Tom by his beard under the water lilies out of mischief but he ordered her to let him free. The next day, he came down to the river woman and asked Goldberry to be his wife, and creatures of the old forest, the badger folk, and other animals attended their wedding. Goldberry hosted the hobbits, Frodo Baggins, Meriadoc Brandybuck, Peregrine Took, and Samwise Gamgee when Tom Bombadil brought them to his house after rescuing them from the perils of the old man Willow in the old forest. They found her to be as mysterious as Tom but were grateful for her kindness to them, and were enchanted by her presence. When they first saw her, she was wearing a gown, green as young reeds, shot with the silver-like beads of dew, and her belt was of gold, shaped like a chain of flag lilies set with the pale blue eyes of forget-me-nots. She was standing amid wide vessels of green and brown earthenware, in which white water lilies were floating, so that they seemed to be enthroned in the midst of a pool. After rescuing the hobbits from the Barrow Downs, Tom Bombadil selected a brooch with blue stones from the horde of the Barrowites to give to Goldberry. So there you have it. The history of the Old Forest, Tom Bombadil, and Goldberry. Next week, we will be going over the Barrow Downs and the Barrow Whites. Alright, so now on to listener questions. This week, we have one question, or a couple questions in one, I should say. From Chase McKinney. Chase says, I was hoping to understand the color designation of the wizards. Is there a ranking by color, power sets, abilities? What is the implication of having two whites in the LOTR era? Besides white, gray, brown, and blue, was there anything else? So I'm going to kind of just add a little bit of history into this just because it may help explain some things, I guess. I hope. Anyway. So, the wizards, also known as the Starry, were originally spirits of the Order of the Maiar, the followers of the Valar, and these, they were sent by the Valar to help and assist the peoples of Middle-earth against Sauron, Sauron whoa, as he gathered his forces during the Third Age. So there were the five known Astari, and they were all under different Valar, basically, and there were Kuromo, Aloran, Iwendil, and Alatar, and Palando. And those were the names they were originally given. And eventually, you know, they came into many different names. Uh, like Alatar and Palando, pretty sure I'm saying those, some of those right, were also known as Ithrin Luwin, or the Blue Wizards. They went into the east, and we don't hear about them in the main tales of Middle-earth. In the northwest of Middle-earth, Kuromo uh, became known as Saruman to the men and Koronir to the elves. Aloran was known as Gandalf to men and Mithrandir to the elves. 
while Iwendil became known as Radagast. Each wizard was assigned a color for his clothes, white being indicative of the chief. The two that traveled to the east wore sea blue robes, hence their name Ithrin Luwin, the blue wizards. Similarly, the other wizards also became known by their colors. Um, So we have like Saruman the white, Gandalf the gray, Radagast the brown, why not? It is not known if the other colors had any special meaning concerning, concerning their rank, or maybe something to do with their abilities, like Radagast's brown and his him being in the woods and around animals. I don't know, but the other, I, there's not too many connections you can make with the other ones with the, that theory, but I don't know. Uh, but when, when Saruman fell to the temptation of the ring, and after the defeat of the Balrog, Gandalf was reborn and given the title of Gandalf the White. Gandalf, who had originally been nominated for leadership of the White Council by Gladriel, but ended up going to Saruman as the head of that, then assumed leadership of both the White Council and the Order of the Istari. So he kind of takes on that chief role, and then he gets that white cloak and becomes Gandalf the White. And then he casts Saruman from the Order and led the West of Victory over Sauron and all that jazz. So the only real color that means anything is just the white, at least that we know of. And this could be one of those things that Tolkien kind of leaves us to your interpretation. Um, so you can kind of fill in your own headcanon there. Um, but we do know the white just basically means you're kind of the large and in-charge guy, uh, wizard. So that's why Gandalf then becomes the white and Saruman kind of gets booted from that role. All right, and that is it for this week. If you do want more content, feel free to check out our website, ministeritharchives.com. We have a bunch of cool stuff on there, and I'm going to continue adding more to that, kind of getting caught up on the old posts. I have some posts from on people and places from way back when, but the archives wasn't really expanded, uh, didn't have a lot of info at the time, so now I'm kind of redoing a lot of those old original posts, but the ones on the website, they'll be right there on the homepage when you go there, complete and ready for your viewing pleasure. And check out our Facebook page, Ministry Earth Archives, History of Middle Earth. We have a Facebook group, um, History of Middle Earth Podcast. Speaking of the Facebook group, there is a lot of technical difficulties going on there that Facebook has not been helpful at all with. I know there's like a ton of you that have sent in your requests to join. I cannot access any of that. So I'm trying to get it with Facebook. They seem to be blowing me off, it feels like. Um, so don't worry. Uh, I've gotten all the requests. I know you're sitting there. I'm not ignoring them or declining them or anything. It's just I can't access any of that through anything. I used to be able to do it through a computer, but not on my phone. And now I can't access any of that on anything. So we'll see how that goes. And sorry again for all the craziness, but... You'll know once everything's fixed because your requests to join will be all approved. We have an Instagram at History of Middle Earth Pod because podcasts would be too long. And I mean, you can feel free. I have a personal Instagram too. You can feel free to follow that at psidel90, I think it is. Um, there's nothing Lord of the Rings related on there. And remember to send in any questions you have, and we will get those answered on a following episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know how we did. 
If you have any uh, advice, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, I'm definitely open for making any improvements or going over any ideas you have. Last thing before I let you go, don't forget to swing over to an unexpected podcast and give them a like and a follow. Uh, they're on Facebook and Instagram and all that as well. Um, our postings on the Facebook group or the Facebook page and the website go off of the chapters that they are on. They're a bit further ahead than we are. So feel free to give them a listen as well. Thank you so much for listening. and I hope to see you back next week. Until next time, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to the History of Middle-Earth Podcast.